throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with host Gord Riddell. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, this is Gordon Riddell, and welcome to Things Worth Considering. I'm here with my guest host, uh, Alexia and George Zeusis. George Zeusis. I did that. I don't have any notes in front of me. How about that? Uh, we're getting closer to it. <laughs> better. Better, not closer. Better. Um, so we'd like to welcome you to uh, our show uh, for this evening and today. Uh, we certainly have lots to uh, talk about with what's going on with COVID-19 and uh, what's happening on the continent of both Canada and the United States. Certainly there's lots uh, that we're experiencing with Canada pretty much in uh, a full uh, shutdown, except for essential services, certainly in the province of Ontario, which happens to have like one half of the wor- of the of the Canadian population in that one province. Um, it's rather, rather eventful. Um, so we've stuck out. We're supposed to be also isolated away somewhere, but we stuck out in order to do our show. And uh, it's we, we it's worth it. It's totally and worth it. Maintaining the six feet distance. And, and we have to stay six feet apart and we just lean forward and we just kind of like a seesaw going back and forth right. as to who gets closer to the mic. Uh, so, um, you know, certainly I think I'm probably the most aware of the fear that is building. Yes. That's what I seem to feel. That's what I've gotten a couple of people feeding back on that is almost um, destabilizing. And I, I actually think it is destabilizing for a lot of people because, you know, I found that there's been sort of this movement with emotion that in the, in the initial stages, it was a little bit of sort of shock and almost like an excitement and disbelief, mm. which in itself is destabilizing. And then, you know, there's been waves of, of fear, waves of grief, I think, that's coming up, waves of, of, oh, what now, anger and frustration, because it goes into panic. Absolutely. I think there's also, like, uh, when you say grief, like it's anticipatory, anticipatory loss. Um, one million people, one million people were only a nation of 33 million one-tenth of the United States have applied for unemployment insurance. They've been laid off already. Yes, yes, exactly. In in one week. We would normally have a few thousand, Mm -hmm. one million. Needless to say, there's a lot of uh, public servants are being shifted uh, over into that department to process it because the prime minister is very adamant that people are, you know, we start receiving funds right away, uh, meaning within like 10 to 14 days. So, so I think that the grief, it's anticipatory, but also it is a sense of, oh, wait, the plans I had, the trip I was, you know, I have planned, or the tickets mm. I've paid for, you know, it's not happening. It's not happening. And, and I, no. think that, I think that we've just been sort of sideswiped by this sense of suddenly we're, we have to meet the unknown in every aspect of our lives. Yes. The plans that we made, right, are the big, and people are feeling that sense of loss. Yes. And then the futurization or the catastrophizing about, well, what am I going to do for income? You know, especially if you're self-employed or people that have young kids at home or whatever it is. So I think it's both anticipatory and people are facing a sense of mixed emotion around grief. I think people are having a lot of mixed emotion around how much toilet paper they have. 
Still, still, is that ongoing? Still, uh, uh, people who might have picked up from last week was the hoarding that took place when uh, it was announced basically that this was going to be coming, this isolation. The people ran out and they targeted toilet paper. And I'm still sort of chuckling. Fortunately, yeah. I have enough, right. but they literally they cannot restock the store still. Um, there's there's some people. Um, there was a small store in Toronto I saw that he was charging the normal price of three ninety nine for eight, but if you took more than one, it was ninety nine dollars each. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> said, and then he said underneath it, he said, "Stop the hoarding." Yeah. Um, it's bringing out some pretty weird traits that we have in terms yeah. of survival. I didn't think that toilet paper would hit the top of our survival scale. No. <laughs> you didn't think so either. All those years of studying and toilet paper never even made it to the books. <laughs> I would like to see the books in about 20 years when they rewrite this. That's right. Uh, hopefully That's right. we're here. It sort of goes to what you had brought up when we initially talked about the COVID um, situation. And it was around the shadow. Oh, yeah. And I think that this also is what's coming up around. It's forcing us to face our really that sense of what about me? Yes. And also looking at the whole, you know, I, I do I have enough? And it's it's making us also pay attention to, well, what about everybody else? And and some people are, it's like an edge, right? It's an edge because that unknown, I think most of us have been so unaware around this the concept of collective consciousness absolutely individual consciousness and i think that's the evolution that spirituality is taking us i agree everything okay. from the me generation onwards um which has also produced some some uh, interesting things some wonderful things and it's also introduced you know a lot of uh, uh, problematic uh, entitlement yes. uh th- yes. those that still think that their na- first name is me um, but this isn't about me. This is about us. It is about us. This is a collective requirement that we've got to pull together. Um, and and we were talking just beforehand that, you know, I mean, the show is about connections. It was designed about that. It's one of the areas that I'm so, so interested in. And yet the very thing we're supposed to do is to isolate you, you can have self-isolation or you have imposed isolation. In other words, if you come from out of out of this, uh, the country for, uh, for whatever reason you're coming into Canada, but you're a Canadian citizen, uh, it's, it's all that's allowed in here, will um, be put into a 14-day right. uh, lockdown kind of thing. Um, so I just see that as, as just such the ultimate duality of isolate and connect. It is. And that's that's a tough one. It it is a you're absolutely right. It's a very tough one because I think what this this is bridging also is around in terms of spiritual consciousness and and people that have that awareness of there's no separation, there's individuation. Yes. That's a that we can grasp. Yeah. Well sometimes. Sometimes moments, <laughs> moments for a second. Right. right? For a second or two. Yeah. But then when you think of it, it's like, you know, I consider myself very sort of privileged to to be able to have studied and continue to study and continue to learn around spirituality and these whatever concepts. I don't know them deeply. I just have touched the surface. However, the thing is is that when imagine someone who's never had this exposure to just get a, a sense of trying to practice having tools to be equipped 
with now when there is non-duality, right? what do I do with it? What right. do I do with, how do I practice, you know, calming my inner world? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I develop an awareness to know that actually I participate in my own reality and, and I can have an impact on what my reality presents with. Mm. But this is where, you know, going into the panic and the fear, this also mirrors the lack of awareness and disconnect that we have from our, our felt sense of experience. Yes. From our felt sense of how do we work with the emotions or the feelings we have in our bodies so that we can actually go into harmony instead of this separation and hoarding or panic or whatever it is, right? And that's really, again, that's that shadow piece that holds all of the things we're not owning. Yes. And so what we're not owning is, say, the felt sense. Yes. The uh, awareness of actually being calm, of being peaceful, of living that. And so it's there, and there's only one place it can go. If it's not in the, in the conscious, it has to go into the shadow, into the mm-hmm. unconscious. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing this... You know, I mean, this is the individuation of humanity. Mm, yes. You know, yes. when we talk about individuation, and certainly we've been there, but this is where we step into and say, this is this is humanity. This is the human race as a us. Not a we, right. as, an as an us. us. As an us. It's, it's highly inclusive for those who wish to be. Uh, there will be those that will not be. And the, the people that will leave in many different capacities. But I think that grasping the idea that uh, as, a, as a, a race of humanity, this is the ultimate connection, mm-hmm. is that step into how do, we, how do we own us after so many decades of simply being me? That's a very good question. You know, very good question. I think that's, uh, I don't have answers. I've got questions. I don't have answers. <laughs> i got a lot of questions. Uh, why now? Um, and why couldn't I go see that theater play last week? <laughs> well, I've had questions. I've also had, you know, waves of, of emotions. Sure. One morning I woke up and I was very sad. It felt like a, a real, you know, loss. And it, I knew it wasn't really you know, to do with anything personal, but it was personal because I'm connected to this, right? This mm-hmm. is part of the experience. And then I, I had fear, you know, of course, questions going, okay, what do I need to do? Am I, am I, and looking at, am I being an ostrich and putting my head in the sand? Am I being naive? And then going back into, oh, actually, everything's fine right now. I don't have to panic. Right. But it's waves. It's, you know, and I, and I, it's, it's a little turbulent. It's yes, a little yes. turbulent. Yeah. yeah, it's very turbulent. Yeah. It's very turbulent. You know, um, I think that the, you know, the isolation, I, I've heard that there's a couple of buildings, for instance, um, uh, like condominium buildings that are not allowing any guests. You cannot have any guests oh, over. Really? Nobody who doesn't live there is allowed in the building. Mm-hmm. And now, fortunately, that's not mine. They don't allow dogs in mine, which upsets me enormously because then I would have a friend yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, would be waiting for me when I came home. Yes. Um uh, they allow cats, but they don't like being walked, I understand. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being funny here. <laughs> they don't like being taken for a walk. Right. Uh, it's one of the ways of getting outside and getting some exercise is to have your dog going. Uh, but, yeah, there's all of these sort of uh, sort of intricate things which just keep feeding into that. Um, that isolation then starts to feel incredibly cut off 
Yes. You know, um, that it, which feeds the fear. I mean, this is so perfect because I talk about fear, how it collapses us, you know, and, and by expanding, we move past the fear. But, you know, here we are being uh, being put into a place that says, you know, you're isolated. So what do you do with the fear? The fear is just going to build on the inside, which is the perfect place for it. Fear loves to isolate. Mm. And that's where it grows, and that's where it plays havoc in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, you'd have to do something, and the fear just goes boom, and you have a panic attack right. or some other major anxiety right. uh, experience. And so you know, I think this is sort of a mental health area that in some way needs to get addressed if, if this is going to go, I know this is going to go on longer than the next you know, few days. Oh yeah, it, it will, and it, and it does need to be addressed for sure. And I think that it also is important, and maybe we'll talk about it a bit later, but I also feel like it, it is important to look at, you know, there's a story, there's multiple stories that we can continue to say. The fear story is one story. Yeah. We can also look at it as, oh, is this an opportunity? And again, it's not to lose sight of the practical, the practical aspect of survival. You yes. know, that, that's that's there. That's a given. Of course, it's important for people to have shelter and food and and safety. But in terms of looking at, okay, how else can I work with this fear, mm-hmm. or how else can I look at this, whatever's happening, whatever this is, right? And what does it mean? Is it an opportunity? Because it is requiring us on a spiritual level to empty and get rid of a lot of things that we don't energetically want to carry anymore. Uh, exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, both personally and collectively. Yes, you know, yes. I, last night I walked up a street where near where I live, um, just off of the main Toronto Street, Young Street. Uh, often there's a lot of street kids out there. You know, they're, they're homeless, they're living on the street, they have their own, it's a tribe. Right. You know, they, they collectively, you'll see them there, and, and you'll see the ones who are all by themselves, too, and, and sometimes they're asking for money or whatever. I walked up about five blocks, and there was not one person on that street last night. Really? Everything shut down, right. and, but the tribe was still there. You know, I'm calling it that collectively, you know, just a group. They were there. Like, I don't know if they've been moved to a safer place, meaning off the street or whatever, but I've never seen that I could have, you know, I was expecting tumbleweed to come down the road or something. It was that, you know, I thought I found it very disconcerting. And, and yeah, because that's what we're getting hit with, right? We've got the visual of this sense of, oh, wait a minute, you know, I can't have this connection, this social distancing, someone told me, I don't know who it was, but but uh, a friend of mine actually mentioned a quote that someone said around, I wish they didn't use the term social distancing. It should have been physical distancing. Yes. Social connecting. Yes, yes. Because I think that that is the idea of isolation. It's like, well, what does this mean to be socially isolated? Yes. And Or socially distanced. And yeah, that's a that's a really really good point. It's a superb point because this physical the, the idea of social isolation is probably God is more screwed up than just talking about physical. And that is just stay back. Yeah, and for mental health, when people are struggling with already loneliness, you know, yes, tremendous loneliness, knowing that oh, there's even more social isolation. But if we can play with that terminology and use different words, I think that when I've gone for a walk, I find that. I'll make you know eye contact with somebody, maybe or maybe not, and there might be a smile exchanged. It might be just a, an acknowledgement, which is enough. That's enough, that's absolutely. Enough. That's what that's what I'm saying. Wow, we don't need so many words. Right. <laughs> we, we just need to. Oh, I see you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I acknowledge you. You're there on the street. I would, I would have acknowledged anybody who walked by me at that point last night. Um, you know, loneliness, when you talk about that, loneliness is probably one of the most debilitating, depressive elements of the elderly. Yes. And this is this very illness is what it's targeting. You know, again, I'm looking at these these pieces that correlate that says, you know, what is what are we being shown like archetypally or, meta, you know, through some sort of a metaphoric experience? Uh, you know, I, I talked to you at the end of last week's last week's show about shadow and how ageism is such a huge thing in our society that, you know, not only do we not age, therefore we don't die. Right. Therefore, anybody who's over anywhere approaching dying or over a certain age, um, uh, we ignore. We just don't think that they're they're what valuable, and yet that's who's they're being. That's who's being targeted. Yes. Not that yes. not that the disease is out to target them. That's who's that's who's the no, most susceptible. Susceptibility, absolutely. Yeah, susceptibility. they're susceptibility. And, and they're absolutely, absolutely. As we age, we become immunocompromised. Yeah. You know. That's right. uh, however, you and I are not compromised because we have to take a break. Sounds good. Otherwise, they will compromise us. <laughs> um, so we are um, here at Things Worth Considering, and we are talking about the COVID-19 dilemma. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. We are considering today what's going on in our world with COVID-19. And I'm here with Alexis, and we are Alexia. Alexia, um, I've had too many friends at Alex, Alexis, (laughs) Alexia. Um, And we are talking about um, sort of the the side that isn't getting addressed, but what's happening with us psychologically and socially, which, of course, has a big impact on us. Um, We're 
we were just talking now about um, the vulnerability of not knowing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think that this is showing us how, first of all, we are not very comfortable with the unknown. Oh, no. And it leads us into this clinging and can trigger a sense of, if I don't know, it means I'm not safe. And that, of course, is not true necessarily, but it shows us how much we need to have that sense of security from outside ourselves. That's what I'm finding, even in my own life. It's like, wow, it's really testing me around where's my sense of security. And it's instead of reaching, like trying to reach outside of myself, instead of saying, okay, wait a minute, it's ultimately inside. But that requires vulnerability. It means that we need to feel what's here and acknowledge Mm -hmm. what's here around, oh, I'm sad, or I'm disappointed, or I'm angry, or, wow, this is scaring me. You know, the, that's a, that. it's really easy for people to mask fear and cover it up and bury it. Right, yeah. So I think that this is, again, part of the work that is being asked of us as a collective. No, you know, the, 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 and absolutely, the unknown is, is um, uh, scary. There's also, I think, an expectation for us to always know. Yes. We're not comfortable. Uh, if someone says to us, what do we know? And we say, I don't know. Uh, that's not an okay answer. Right. We're expected as adults. We, we should know. Now, there's also a flip side of that, as you were speaking, that always knowing and, and sort of having this mapped out also creates incredible rigidity. Definitely. Because this is changing Definitely. on a daily basis. That means you better be capable of jumping into another pair of shoes or tap dance shoes or whatever and do whatever is required of you. Yes, and and you're right because, I mean, one of the best lessons I learned from um, one of my teachers when I was in naturopathic school, college, was as it, learning to be a clinician was you had to be comfortable with saying you don't know. Yes. And that you didn't know. And I was fortunate enough to have someone who was a supervisor who really, really taught that as a big part of uh, a very essential skill to have, not just in clinical practice, but also in life. Oh, yeah. But this part around knowing and rigidity, what it does do is it it absolutely suffocates curiosity. Yes. And it absolutely annihilates a sense of, of possibility because when we go into rigidity, we only have blinders on where we see one path. Yeah. And you know, this speaks to what you're mentioning as well as being able to jump into a different pair of shoes, wear a different hat, which reinforces our sense of adaptability. Right. And I think that people who are entrepreneurs or more creative or self-employed even, in some ways have a little bit of practice with this. We just have more hats. Yeah, more hats. <laughs> but, it's, but it's very different from someone who's used to sh- going to, you know, their nine to five job and staying in, and it's there, it's the same. It's, it's, it's not necessarily the same work every day, but it's the aspect that I don't have to look at other ways to reinvent myself or other ways to be and feel differently. Absolutely. So, so I, I think that this is, again, something that we can use to our advantage to go, wow, Actually, this is part of resilience, being able to adapt. It's what we've seen in genetics. It's what we've seen with evolution of different species. Adaptation is key. Yes, yes. It's key. Yeah, absolutely. But you also mentioned a a really important word uh, and concept, and that is of resiliency. Hmm. You know, often people don't, uh, people are terrified of finding out whether they're resilient. 
Yes. And so we yes. stay on that very safe path. Yes. Uh, now, fortunately, resiliency, there are some people that are just a little more resilient than others, but it's something that can be learned. I agree 100%. You know? So that we're, and just to make sure that we're speaking the same language, that resiliency means that when we fall off the horse, we know how to get up and dust ourselves and the horse off and get back on that horse and keep going yes. or change horses. Yes. yes. But at least you're going to ride away. Exactly. And and I feel resiliency also, what I've found is that, you know, for, for a long time, I really believed re- resiliency meant you have to push and struggle mm. and force. And what I found is that, no, that's where the softening comes into place. That's when allowing something to evolve, being patient, which are not skills that I have very well. It's hard for me to be patient, really okay. hard. But, but it's, it's being able to see it very differently and say that, oh, resilience is absolutely the opposite of, of constriction. Yes. It is an expansion. Yeah. So that even though the fear is present or there's whatever clinging behavior, there's also this other, which is the unknown still. For sure. So to stay with, you know, the little thing like when you fall off the horse, part of resiliency is sitting there going, now, how did that happen? Yeah. That we can learn something from, you know, what happened to the horse? You know, what happened? What did I do? uh, That's part of that whole experience. So um, it's not about getting up and just running full full stream ahead into the next uh, pond. (laughs) It's it really is. Uh, obviously, I have a visual of where this horse is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's by, it's by yeah, the river, great, yeah. uh, up in Wasega. That's um, good. Yeah, no, I've got a, a complete visual. It's like, all right, get rid of that. Um, but it, it is. It is. It's not. It, this isn't a race. It it really is about navigating in a way that we understand how it is that we got to where we got to. Mm-hmm. All right, and what what would make the most amount of sense without being married to it, moving forward. Yes. Yeah, no. absolutely. And and I think that part of this, I was thinking the other day, I was I have noticed that with the sense of quiet in the city, yeah. that I open my windows and I hear the birds, you know, at dusk and I hear them in the morning and more so than ever before. And I realize also it's a matter of noticing that we can learn so much from animals around being, you know, waiting to make a move. Right. You know, just just waiting and sitting with the discomfort or sitting with whatever and then choosing to go, Okay, I'm gonna take a step here, even though I may not know exactly where I'm headed, but I'm <laughs> stepping forward. So and that's adaptability. It is adaptability. Yeah. It is. These are these are all sort of traits we're we're needing to look at that uh, are also survival. Mm-hmm. They're survival traits. They are survival know? traits. Um, I you know, I'm such a visual person, but when you were talking about animals waiting, um, I watched a documentary not that long ago about Chernobyl. Mm. Um, and, of course, they evacuated. It's 20, 25 years or 50 yeah. years? Uh, long, I forget not what it 50, is. 25. 25 probably. 20 probably. Yeah. Maybe 30. Yeah. Uh, they, it's a long time. They sort yeah. of were doing this documentary 30. based on its anniversary. Um, and, you know, what they predicted would happen did not happen. And that is that there would be like three-legged deer and four, you know, fifteen-toed, you know, dogs and and so on. What there was was this incredibly flourishing animal population and and fauna, you know, flora, fauna, trees, 
you know, flowers growing right through these houses, you know, sort of thing. And and I just sort of see this sort of encircling the wildlife going, it's only a matter of time before we get this place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just be patient. <laughs> We're going to put that over there. The big trees are going back here. Um, and, and it just goes back to the earth thing, you know, yes. the earth being tired, the earth saying, give me a break here. Um, since you wouldn't, I'm going to give it for you. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, that's a beautiful um description and and really metaphor for what I think is around trust. This is also bringing our sense of trust and trusting resilience. I remember years ago uh, when I was a university student, I had a job as a personal trainer and I would be training sometimes, uh, sometimes men, sometimes women. And they, the women especially were more so that they had no idea of their sense of strength. Mm. So they would see these hand weights and they would just pick up ones that were like five pounds. But I could see that absolutely this person is stronger than yes. being able to lift up five pounds. They could lift a lot more. And 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 the fear around trying, the fear around, oh, I don't know what's going to happen because it was so foreign, hmm. was really quite remarkable. And then, and then the surprise around, oh, my God, I can actually lift up a 10-pound dumbbell in each hand right. and I'm not falling over. But it's it's again, we when we're afraid of something, when it's unknown, we become afraid of it. Yes. And this is also getting a sense of how do we need to relate to ourselves, you know, all these parts of ourselves, and relate to what's happening outside of us because it is relational. It's very relational because what came to my mind was that you know what's feeding the fear, say in the gym, right. and that is what will people say? What will people say if I lift that weight and I drop it? That's like that's Maybe, like yeah. one of the most horrifying thoughts. Uh, well, as a guy in the gym, would be to not be able to handle that weight. Yeah, and for for man, that's interesting. For this for this woman, I think it was more around fear of injuring herself. Oh, interesting. And and I think that, that that's just a war wound for guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Attached to the story. Right, right. Yeah. So so it's it, again going back to resilience and what's being asked of us now, and being able to trust that we are resilient. Mm. Innately, we are resilient. Absolutely. Saying Absolutely. that okay, this is just a different way of being resilient. It's not we. It's it's really throwing our our sense of our concept or definition of. I think everyone could ask themselves, what do I consider to be resilient, or how what do I define this as, and what does adaptability mean? Right, right. So, you know, right, and will yeah. I hurt myself? It's you know that's. And and what what defines your fear? What mm-hmm. what what's your greatest fear about? Uh, you know, being humiliated or being embarrassed or being, you know, like what holds you back from that place? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, often if we paint our worst case scenario, people who have a social phobia that are like, you know, um, I'm afraid if I walk into this bar, everyone's going to look at me at which point I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall over and vomit at the same time. And so what would happen then? And, and just have the person sort of walk through it. And I think that, you know, if we can walk ourselves through some of the the distorted, you know, fears that are sitting there, because they really are quite distorted, yeah. uh, you know, that most people would rush to help you if that yes. happens to you in a bar, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, I, but that's not what our brain tells us, you know. We're, we're like people pointing and going, look at that person, you know. Um, and, and I think that, that if we can, you know, Allow ourselves to 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 do our uh, an awfulizing routine. You know, go through that exercise of catastrophizing. What's the worst thing that can happen right now? And 
will you be able to handle that? Right. And you know what? Every one of us, I'm sure, says, absolutely. Right. Well, right. I'm not going to be happy with my awfulizing and my worst case scenario, but will I come through the other side of it? Yeah, eventually. Yeah. And it's, it is. It's, it's saying that we're, we, we can trust the process. What's really hard with COVID right now is worldwide. And I think that, you know, in terms of the reality and the facts of, yes, there's risk, there, but there's a risk all the time. Yes. It's just this is a different type of risk. There's a risk when we cross the street. There's a risk when we step into a car. And, not and, right now, there's not. Right, that's right, not right now. <laughs> there's nobody around. But it's, it's again, going, it's, it's a different, it's a, a paradigm shift about risk. It's a, it's, mm. a, it's a real, you know, opportunity, I think, to keep evolving and growing and challenging our own constructs. Yes. Um, and that, that's what I find is probably the most helpful, helpful because I think going back to the grief aspect is that, there's so many emotions that are here and we, we have to be able to stay in a place where we can meet those emotions and allow them to be there in our bodies, however we feel it, looking at the story and saying, okay, that's one possibility, but there are other possibilities because before we can move forward or try to get a sense of control, whatever that means, right. we have to accept, going back to, we have to accept our emotions first. And accept what this is. Acceptance, I mean, we could talk about this more uh, when we come back from the break around acceptance versus surrender. And are mm-hmm. they the same thing? You know, what, what, does, it, what does it mean for everyone? But the, the, the real crux of resilience, I think, is hinging on it's not about forcing and pushing. It is about being adaptable, malleable. Yes. And, yeah. and being able to, you know, kind of move with the current and, and and then make a choice from a place of awareness rather than a place of panic. Right, right. Um, I think having an awareness, too, of the control issues that people have, you know, whether it's oh, to appear to be in power. I have no or, control issues, just so you oh, know, Gordon. Oh, no, yeah, I, just I, so you know, I have none. Well, no, me neither. Sit down <laughs> over there. Uh, <laughs> you're five feet. Stay back. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking for, for right now, actually, of Mr. Trump, uh, who, who, you know, basically said to show his leadership that he wanted America back up and running by Easter. I mean, you're an idiot. You know, I just no one's no one in anywhere in science is saying or walking the street, if there is any, is, is going to knows that it's going to be over in like two weeks. That's just not going to happen. And I think saying this is the kind of thing that makes me so angry is is people, in order to show that they're, they're supposedly in their minds in a leadership position, and yet it's feeding the fear of like, well, my God, he said it would be over in two weeks. And, and people, people will feed into that and try to make it happen, which will actually create more of a disaster. Yes. Because there's, the, the disaster on this is going to be a second wave which almost invariably does happen. And a second wave is going to come because we let our guard down. Mm -hmm. We get so comfortable with our new norm, and the new norm is five feet, six feet feet distance, uh, you know, lots of hand washing, even if your hands are chapped, uh, and, you know, believing that it's all over. And that's that's our new norm, and it's going to fall apart uh, if we don't stay. You know, uh, I don't want to say rigidly; it's the wrong word, but if we don't stay stay adamant. 
Well, adamant and, and, and aware. And just aware. And, aware. and not naive and also trusting our own sense of what feels right instead of, you know, why are we, you know, leadership is very interesting where it's like, okay, what does that mean? Why can't we be our own leaders in our own lives, in our own sense? What I mean is our interior self. Right. You know, being able to say, okay, there's one person saying this, but what, what are, let me assess it for myself and let me trust. He is not there to lead us. Right. Right. The us identification. Right, right. On that note, guess what? we got to take a break. Okay. Um, I, my apologies to Mr. Trump. However, you're really pissing me off. Um, <laughs> and I mean that. Uh, on that note, uh, we will be right back after this message. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Welcome back to Things Worth Discovering and Things Worth uh, uh, Being With. Uh, hopefully, we're giving you lots of stuff to think about here. Um, and uh, we're going to talk a bit more about um, just the whole the whole thing of the, the knowingness and what we need to know for ourselves. Yes, um, and acceptance and surrender. And acceptance and surrender. Um, I think those are interesting because, you know, acceptance isn't surrendering. Mm-hmm. I think people think that is, you know, if you accept what's going on in the world right now, it means you somehow one concur um, that you are uh, giving it, you know, your your approval, um, and it has nothing to do with that. Right. You know, you know, one one of the things is that if you want to change anything in your life, you've got to accept where you are. Yes. Standing in front of a mirror and saying I hate my body is not going to allow it to change. Nope. And standing in front of that mirror and saying, I accept this is where I am at, and I know I would like to be in a different place. It would be healthier. Um, you know, I would just feel better looking at myself, whatever it is. But uh, that's that's that acceptance piece without the horrible judgment. 
I, I agree. And I, and I think that the acceptance around the self, around also with COVID, it's accepting that there are these circumstances that are beyond my control. And accepting that, you know, oh, I, I need to, there, this isn't something that I did intentionally created. But what it does do is, it, uh, for me, when I find I work with acceptance, it's almost like a layered process where I, I end up going into a more compassionate place for myself. Mm-hmm. Or just that can allow for compassion. But when it's a sense of, um, because it's a choice, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm consciously choosing, how do I accept this? But sometimes when I accept, what comes up is, oh, there's some resistance, there's some anger, there's some grief. But it ends up leading towards, okay, I'm here and I'm here, where do I want to go? It's, right. it's sort of like being able to you know, take out a map and say, I know that I'm here right now instead of the stories of, and I should be somewhere else and I should have done better or whatever it is. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. Yeah. And surrender. Shame, shame, shame. Surrender to me is a more of a spiritual, um, you know, aspect where it's, a, it, it's really the quality of humility. Yes. You're saying that I, I do not have the power, which is what this has done for us. The coronavirus is saying, you know, with Gaia saying, well, you think you have power. You <laughs> think you know what you're doing. You think you have control. So for me, surrender just means I'm admitting to my ego self that I I don't know everything. And, and I can't I, control it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not in charge after all. But acceptance lets, let, lets us choose to say, okay, what, if I'm here now, what are the next steps I can do? Yes. You know, it, especially, and right now, there's not a lot we can do per se, but there is there's minor things like this this physical distancing. Yes. I'm going to call it set instead of social instead of social. Distancing. Yes, physical distancing, hand washing. Hand washing. You know, being mindful of when you cough. You know, making sure you you take agency and and be mindful of your own emotions. Yes. So that you don't just you know become a fire hose out there and say that everyone else needs to clean this up for me. Right. It's, it's like, no, <laughs> well, everybody else will clean your hands, but I'm not going to do right, it. Right. So, so that's to me what's very empowering about acceptance is that it can bring us into a place where we can definitely go into more expansion, and again, that feeds into resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Looking at some of the the things of how can I uh, reinforce the us mm-hmm. you know, experience, and that is is that. My the, my behavior is such that in terms of like the distance uh, piece, the physical distance piece, the hand washing, that those are those are things that reinforce us because it will actually interrupt the, you know the virus. Yeah. Eventually it will come back, but it will come back differently. Yes. You know it, yes. It, it it always does. I mean these things don't go away, but they come back in a way that usually enough people are immune that. You know that can be, you know, or we'll have a vaccine for it. You know, one of the two. But well, and and the, and the vaccine isn't a guarantee, but it's something that at least it can. It's a step in prevention, just like preventative medicine. Yes. You know, sure, taking echinacea and you know ashwagandha or other herbs, it's not a guarantee, but it can give you a sense of oh, I'm going to just reinforce my immune system and support. But it's again, it's not a guarantee. But it's being smart with those choices. Yes. So you know, going back to what you were initially bringing up around the connection, that how important this is now as well. That that is huge for our immune systems. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, we need connection on some level because the emotions, and that's the psychoneuroimmunology that Candace Pert talked about way back in, I think, the 70s. Her book came out later around molecules of, of emotion, mm. showing that there was a direct correlation between our immune systems and our emotions. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, it's one piece, right? It's not everything. We have multiple layers. You know, there's exposure, there's the environment, there's our diets. There's so many things that can impact immunity, but immunity has wisdom. But social connection is also very supportive, just like touches. Yes. I was thinking that. I thought, wow, you know, touch, so important. It's touches. massively important. Yeah. It affects know? our immunity. That's been shown in studies that it absolutely makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the biggest ones is is the monkeys that were, you know, uh, oh, yes. not given touch and yeah. that experiment and what, oh, what it showed, terrible. you know. Um, terrible monkeys. Yeah, I, I know a couple of people here that said, I can't stand this. So, you know, they're huggers, they're like touchers they're, and so on. And, you know, people, they're people really feeling that sort of lack of being cut off from. So it's like, okay, so then how do you take care of that? Um, self hugs. Self hugs. Self hugs. Yes. Very important. Get an animal, because animals are not affected by this. This is purely a human, a human thing. Um, you know, uh, uh, I was when I was walking up the, the street. When I said, "Is because it was with a dog?" <laughs> you know, sort of thing, and just being and being able to pet and and so on. Uh, I'm not taking any. You know, it's not going to kiss my face, but right, right. you know, um, still, you know, dogs are incredibly and, and cats incredibly uh, affectionate. But I think we have to look at how can you deal with this duality that we started with, and that is, how does one connect through isolation? This, that sounds that's bizarre. Where, that's, that's, but, the, that's, and I, I'm, I'm going to refer to it more as a non-duality because it, it's the duality for me infers that there's an either or. And, and I'm looking at it as a non-duality as this is and and both. Y- yes. You know, and, and the connection part, that's where right now I'm going, wow, technology is amazing. Right. As much as it drives me crazy, it's amazing that we have technology to be able to connect with each other. Right. Well, when you say about the and, you know, when we, when we talk about light and dark, it's like, well, how do you, you know, ever bring those two together? We call it day. <laughs> a 24-hour right. period includes yes. both. Yes. And that's how, we, that's how we bring that into us. And that's an and. Yes. Light and yes. dark create day. Yes. Not daytime. You're right. I understand. <laughs> the, tw- the, the period. The, the period, period of 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. You know. So in, in isolation and connection then, uh, technology, I think, is one of the most powerful ways we're going to be able to do this. Um, so, you know, staying in touch with our friends and our families um, that uses uses like Zoom or uh, Skype or FaceTime, FaceTime, anything. So right. Go for the free ones. What's up? Uh, well, uh, yes. And 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 just phones because there are some going back to around the elderly. Yes. But there are some people who are not do not have laptops or computer screens. Where so so the phone it might be a landline that will be their connection to the outside world. What's a landline? Right. Not kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, some people have to... It's like yeah, a checkbook. Really, right. exactly. Some of you just kind of got off the boat to get over here. Um, I love it. You know, you bring some of these things up and some of the younger guys are like, what? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, 
there was a day when, you know, we didn't have dinner ready in one minute with a microwave, and we didn't have some handheld thing put us on call 24 hours a day. Um, They're like, no, really? (laughs) Yeah, my mom used to actually stand in the kitchen and cook something for an hour. You know, uh, it didn't come out of a box that we could do something in two minutes. Um, So, you know, I think seeing one another, if that possibility is there, like the family coming on and being able to show themselves to, you know, your aunts and your uncles and your friends and and stuff like that. uh, I think that that creates a much that creates some connection there. Definitely speaking to one another. Texting, don't do texting as a way of just staying in touch. I think that texting is is getting out of control as usual. You know, uh, we're, we don't want to really, you know, take the time to, how are you? I'm fine. You know, go through all that. But, and texting's not a conversation. It's not supposed to be, but it is for some well, people. Yeah, but I find it's not. It's it's basically information exchange. I'll see you at night. But, but it, it loses the flow of of being able to answer questions. I find that very frustrating in texting where a question is asked or I asked a question and then it's like, oh, I'm answering something else and something else comes, comes in. in. Because exactly. in a conversation, it's very different. There's more flow, right? Yes. going with it. Yeah, and, and, you, and they're not, well, they're, you're in the middle of answering their question. They're not throwing, hopefully, they're not throwing another question in on top of it, which well, is what happens in texting. Yes, and it doesn't allow for the pause of listening. Yeah, yeah. Email does the same thing, you know. Um, Certainly the studies are there uh, in in the business world where where they did most of the studying. And with email is that the the entire, you know, uh, um, cueing that we take from people, and that is all of our nonverbal, is missing. And all you Very have, all you have point. is these black, these black letters on this white page, uh, just miss. And we're we're working so hard to try and figure out what they really mean. And so if we misplace where a comma is, yeah. it can totally change a sentence in English. Oh, you know, yes, or definitely. we we put a period in where it wasn't quite finished yet, and then start a new sentence all of a sudden, and we're like, oh god, what do they mean? Or they're angry. Yeah, or we are we go into tone. Yes. You know, when because emails and texts often sort of they, they clip the ends. So there's no hello greeting, there's no goodbye greeting <laughs> or see you later. It's basically just the center, but there's there's no introduction, there's no connection point around over meeting. Right. Whereas when you're on the phone, when you're doing video, you know, conferencing or conversations, you have that exchange with nonverbal, but you also end up having a little bit of the of the greetings, right? Exactly, exactly. The greetings do get uh, uh, pushed off. The other one is I'm, sometimes my my caps lock goes on. Right. I just leave it. I really don't care. <laughs> I was just trying to get the words out, and then it's like, why are you yelling at me? Yes. Really? Yes. If I was yelling at you, you would know when right. I'm yelling at you because I don't yell. Uh, but it's like, but really? It's, but it's true. That actually happened when my mother, you know, God bless her. She's, you know, in her 80s and she learned how to use, she has a smartphone and she learned how to use WhatsApp and it's amazing. And when she first started using it, she had the caps on locked and she couldn't figure out why. So every message was coming out as, I don't understand why this is up. I can't get it off the, the locked caps. And it was hilarious for my siblings and I because we, we did feel like we were being yelled at. Right? We yelled at, like, help me out of yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's, it is, it goes into our, in turn, our interpretation. Yes. There's so much more room for, you know, all of our woundedness. Change the color. It. You know, someone said it was a sort of a pinky red. I'm like, what's, that, what's she so angry about? Right. 
I'm sending you love. Oh, okay, that didn't kind of didn't come through in my perception <laughs> of what this was about, you know. Yeah. Um, what it does show is how guarded we are, how we're always looking to see, is there more being done here or said here? Is there a hidden message? Yeah, there is. In COVID, there is a hidden message, and that is we need to get this together. Yeah, we do. We need to be harmonious. We need to be all on board. We need to work as a team. Yep. We need to be responsible around, you know, follow the advisories, stay home. And if you have to go to work or urgent trips, fine, If you're, but that's it. You know, I mean, Gordon and I are here, and we are absolutely keeping our six-foot distance. And you see how and far apart we are, and the poor engineers, they're working hard to try and get us both being heard. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's, it, it is, and I think, you know, it's about being kind. It's about really kindness that's just so needed right now. Um, when we talk about people who are feeling isolated, who are lonely, who are trapped in some very terrible areas of their brain, um, maybe we can bring some rationality there. You know, they said it's okay for us not to know, and we can work within that not knowing and still still give a shit about each other. Compassion. Compassion, compassion. empathy kindness you know look out for your neighbor if you know that there's a neighbor who's isolated or who's been in self-isolation or whatever see if you can do anything uh and just leave you know leave the uh um you know food or whatever they need uh, at their door you know um there is is a play we're not that contaminated you know that we can't be at least dropping food off for people and making sure that people are okay you know that just goes so far just standing at their door and yelling six feet in (laughs) that are you okay you know i think that over the next little while we're going to see um uh, this seems to change like almost on a daily basis it does change on a daily basis you know it does it it really is requiring us to uh to keep uh you know as i always say tap dancing no that was the first first tap dancing that was the first dance lessons i ever took when i was a kid so i was six years old right and uh I was. I remember the teacher. She said to me at the beginning because I was always goofing off, saying, "You look at." We came into a concert, our very first concert. And she said, "I'm not going to be here." You know, meaning standing in front of the class. I took it as I'm not coming. So I went home and I said, "I'm quitting." My mother said, "Why?" I said, "Because if she's not going to show up, why would I come?" <laughs> I was six years old. <laughs> My mother renegotiated that. Right. Right. Um, on that note, uh, we're coming. Uh, we've come to the end of the today show. Um, tell your friends about us. Let uh, let people know that we're out here. We're having an ongoing conversation as uh, both uh, both of us attempt to navigate our way through our resiliency and through our trusting in whatever's happening is definitely an us experience. It is an it's, us experience. Yeah, it's a spiritual experience for all of us to come together in a good humanity. So it's important. All right, take your care, be safe, uh, follow the rules, wash your hands, and stay six feet apart. We'll be back in next week. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Things Worth Considering. Please join your host, Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.